You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter 92, uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth the fool understand this. Verse number 7, When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes also shall see my desire on mine enemies. And mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. And let's pray. Lord, we pray now that you would speak to our hearts from your word. We uh, certainly need to hear from you tonight. I think about the wonderful day we've had already, and I think about the revival services these next two nights. Uh, but I believe that it is your plan. I believe it is your will that we uh, gather tonight. And I believe that this is the message that you would have for me to bring tonight that would help us and would encourage us. I pray that uh, you would help me to get out of the way. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would do a work in our hearts and may the Word of God be uh, delivered, may it be communicated exactly how you'd have it said. Uh, help me just to be the messenger and help me to be the mouthpiece that can uh, proclaim tonight what thus saith the Lord. We pray your blessing upon the preaching of your Word now and may we be receptive, may we be responsive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Uh, three weeks ago on a Sunday night, we looked at this psalm at one verse. We looked at verse 10, and uh, I challenged us on uh, how to keep our Christian life from becoming stale. We talked about that idea of being anointed by God with fresh oil, and uh, I'm thankful that the Christian life is an exciting life. It's a wonderful life. If you're here tonight and you're, you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm missing out on all the fun. You know, all my buddies at work or my family or my neighbors, boy, they're just having a big old party and here I am, I'm a Christian. Oh boy, it's rough. I want to tell you, it's the greatest life in all the world. There is joy in serving Jesus. There is abundant life in the Christian life. Uh, don't let the devil fool you. We talked about it this morning. The devil wants you to believe that the wicked, the people that are godless, the people that are heathen, the people uh, that have no regard for the things of God, Satan wants you to think that they're just having a big party. Amen. 
And can I tell you, that is the furthest from the truth. Those are the people that tonight, as we gather tonight, those are the people that are the most miserable. The people that do not know God. The Bible says they are without God and without hope in this world. And uh, there's no joy in the, the money they're making, the, the pleasures they're experiencing, the things they're accumulating. There is no joy. There's no satisfaction. Uh, there's always the desire. They got to have a little bit more. They got to have a little bit more. There's always somebody that's got something they want. And I want to tell you true joy. And true satisfaction is found in Jesus Christ. The greatest life you could ever live is a life that's lived for God. And I hope you never forget that. And uh, I hope that's a good reminder for, for all of us. I know it's a good reminder for me. But notice with, with me, if you would, in Psalm 92 and verse number one, the Bible said it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. There are some things in my life that I have done that I would not characterize as good things. There have been some things I've done that I thought, why in the world did I do that? Or here's one, what was I thinking? Have you ever done something like that? Am I the only one? Have you ever had a moment like that where you thought that was not a good thing to do? If I could make a list of good things in life that I could do, that was certainly not on the list. Well, can I tell you, we've all been there. We've all made some foolish mistakes. We've all uh, uh, forgotten. I, I, I've told you this story before, but I remember uh, when I was a, an assistant pastor working with my dad, and it was an old building. Uh, the building was at the time almost 150 years old, and it was a two-story old white clapboard church building on the, the town square there in that little town of Geneseo, Illinois. And uh, it was the, the auditorium was upstairs. You go in, and you go up the stairs, uh, to the auditorium, you go down the stairs to the classrooms and the fellowship hall and the kitchen. And uh, then they, we built an addition, and, but it was still the same format. Upstairs was auditorium and downstairs was classrooms and fellowship hall. Well, I remember one, one day it was my job to fill up the baptistry. And, uh, you know, how many of you know that you can't just do one thing at a time. You got to multitask, right? How many of you know that, right? It's like, you don't want to just be sitting waiting for one job to get done. You got to be busy. Well, I, I was busy. So busy, I forgot about the first thing I was supposed to be doing. And uh, there was no automatic shutoff. There was no emergency drain. And so, meanwhile, I'm downstairs. I'm running copies for the Wednesday night program and I'm doing whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing water downstairs in the basement. Uh, where the classrooms are. And I thought, somebody left the, the sink on in the kitchen. So I walk over to the kitchen. like, no, water's not on there. I walk over by the restrooms that were downstairs. No, no water there. And then it hits me. You know, it's like, it's like two minutes later, it hits me. You big dummy, you're the one that left the water on upstairs. And so we had uh, not only the baptistry filled, we had the platform filled and we had the ceiling tiles down in the basement filled and we had, put I mean, it was bad. You know, that was not a good thing. That was not something I was hoping or planning to repeat ever in my life. And so that's why I don't fill up the baptistry anymore. You know, we have somebody else do that. But that was not a good thing. I think we could all say there have been things in my life I've done that probably would not be good things. Because I tell you, the Bible tells us some things that you can do and you should do, and they're good things to do. We ought to do them. They ought to be on the list. Here's one of those things this week that ought to be on your list. 
Here is a good thing, according to the Bible, that we should be doing. Number one, it says in verse number one, it is a good thing to give, what's the word? Thanks. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. You know what? We've already done a good thing. Tonight we sang a lot of praises. We sang a lot of songs. We sang about the Bible. We sang about the Lord. We sang about the goodness of God. And that is a good thing to do. Verse 2, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. The Christian life and, 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 and exp, exp, expressing the goodness and the faithfulness of God is not just something you should do in the morning. It's not just something you get out of the way. It's not just something you put your time in and you check it off the list. We ought to do it in the morning. We ought to do it in the evening. I dare say we ought to do it in the afternoon. I think we ought to do it through the night. I think that it would be a good thing to give thanks and to give praise to God all the time. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. First Thessalonians says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We should sing and give thanks to God. Let's talk about this. Number one, we see in this passage the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. It is evident that God is faithful. His loving kindness, verse 2. His faithfulness are those things that we should be talking about every day, every night. Sometimes we leave those off the list, but we talk about other things, don't we? We talk about how bad the economy is. We talk about how bad the traffic is. <laughs> and then you make a trip to Raleigh and you realize we don't have any traffic here, right? Or you make a trip to California and you realize we have nothing to talk about with gas prices. After I saw the gas prices in California, I thought, you know what? I think we're going to be okay. But we talk about a lot of things. We talk about a lot of problems. We talk about a lot of difficulties. But I don't want my conversation to be all about the negative and all about the bad and all about this is terrible and this is awful and why did this happen and why did this happen? I want my words to be used to glorify and honor God. It's a good thing to give thanks unto God. Number one, we talk about His faithfulness. But then number two, we see the focus of our song. The Bible says that we are to show forth His loving kindness in the morning and His faithfulness every night, comma, and then verse 3, it says, upon an instrument of ten strings, upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound. How are we supposed to talk about God's goodness? We're supposed to do it with music. I love, I love having the guitars. I love having the organ. I love having the piano. I love it when we can praise God with our music. That was God's idea. That was God's plan. Uh, Brother George, how many strings do you have on your guitar? You got 12. What is the, what's the average guitar? How many strings? Six. six. Okay. So we don't have 10, but we got six and we got 12, right? The Bible says uh, upon the, the, uh, uh, the 10 strings and we don't have a heart, but we got some other instruments and we should be praising God with our song. It ought to be the focus of our song. The focus of our song. And by the way, that's why we don't do country music at the church because that would not fit this qualification. <laughs> There's many reasons why we don't do country music, but it wouldn't fit the qualification. Most country music is about how bad it is. Most country music is about how awful it is and how depressing it is and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not the song of the Christian. 
The song of the Christian is how good God is and how faithful God is and how wonderful God is. We see the focus of our song. Verse number uh, four, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. Now, the psalmist here is talking about uh, things that make him glad, things that cause him to triumph. And isn't it interesting? The psalmist does not say, boy, I did a great job. I'm going to sing about how great my work was and how great my accomplishment was. No, no. The psalmist said, I'm going to be glad because of the work of God. I'm going to triumph in the great things that God has done. Friend, you got to get your focus off of what you've done and what you've accomplished and, and what you're doing. And we've got to get our focus on what God can do and what God has already done and what God wants to do. I'll tell you this. I believe with all my heart. I believe that we would faint tonight. I believe that we would pass out if we knew all that God wanted to do and all that God could do in this church if we would just have the faith for it. I believe that with all my heart. Some people are saying, well, the world is so bad. Oh, it's so awful. What about the election? What about the president? Well, I got news for you. I've not been putting my confidence in a president for a long time. It didn't start the last election either. I want to tell you this. My hope is not in a president. My hope is not in a political party. My hope is not an economy. My hope is in the Lord. And there is no limit to what God can do. The psalmist said, thou hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph. The word triumph, it means to overcome and to shout for joy. Boy, that's why I love it when we sing around here and we preach and people say amen. I love it when we have an announcement about people getting saved or people getting baptized and we're shouting. You know why? That's something to shout about. That is something that is worthy of our praise and worthy of our shout. Verse number five, oh Lord, how great are thy works. That word great, it means important. How excellent. Now, I'm not trying to downplay your projects because I'm sure your projects are good. But you know, I accomplish a, a home project and I am so impressed with myself and I don't even tell people about it because it's not impressive. You, you would laugh at it. You would think I was joking if I said I did whatever it was. I'm not even going to tell you what it was because it's not very impressive. But can I tell you what is impressive? The things that God has done. The miracles God has done. The power of God. Look at what God has done in your life. Look at what God has done in your marriage. Look at what God has done in your children. Look at what God has done uh, uh, in, in this church and in this ministry. And to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. It's important. It's amazing. It is excellent. It's worth talking about the greatness of God. But then we see not only are his works great, but it says his thoughts are very deep. That word very deep, that phrase very deep, it means they're profound. Deep means extending far down from the top or the surface. Now, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to go deep on this point to confuse anybody, but here's what I'm saying. Is there are things that we see, and you know most of what we see and know, it's all surface. That's all we know. But you know what God's doing? God's working in hearts. And God's working behind the scenes. 
And God's working in the details and you don't see it. And I don't see it many times, but then when God accomplishes a work, we say, wow, that is amazing. Only God could do that. Here's what I'm saying. The book of Esther, I think, is a great example. The book of Esther is a book of the Bible where the name of God is not mentioned in the entire book. But you know what's amazing? You can't read the book of Esther without seeing the hand of God at work in every page, in every turn, in every situation. And you may not see what God's doing, but I want to tell you, God is at work. God is working in hearts and God is working in lives. Don't give up so soon. Say, well, I've been witnessing to somebody for 10 years and they still haven't gotten saved. Well, can I tell you, the Holy Spirit of God is still working. The power of the gospel is still at work. The power of prayer is still at work. Don't give up just because you don't see it on the surface. There is a work that God is doing that is deep and even below uh, what we can see. Verse number six, we see uh, number three, the foolishness of man. It says, a brutish man knoweth not. Neither doth a fool understand this. The word brutish there simply means senseless. Now, Again, I'm not trying to impress you with, you know, all these, you know, amazing thoughts here tonight, but did it ever occur to you that many times in our foolishness, most of the time in our foolishness, actually all of the time in our foolishness, we don't even realize that we're being foolish? Now think about that. Because if you realized you were being foolish, you wouldn't do it, right? But the Bible says this, that a brutish man, he doesn't even know. He doesn't even get it. It says that a fool does not understand this. A brutish man, uh, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 12, 1, uh, he that hateth reproof is brutish. Did you know we are foolish when we hate somebody trying to tell us the truth? We are very foolish when somebody is taking a Bible or somebody is taking a verse or somebody is taking the Word of God and saying, you should not do this. You should not go down this road. This is not going to end well for you. We would be very wise to listen and to take heed. But the Bible says a foolish man, a brutish man, um, he doesn't even realize it. He doesn't even know. Verse 7, when the wicked spring as the grass... And when all the workers of iniquity do, what's that next word? Flourish? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we talking about the righteous or are we talking about the wicked? It says the wicked, right? It says the wicked, they spring up as grass. They grow and they grow so quickly. And you say, wait a minute. They're wicked. How in the world are they uh, doing so well? How does it seem like things are going so good for them? The wicked, they flourish. They spring as the grass and the workers of iniquity do flourish. But notice verse 7, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. You see, don't be, don't be lured into thinking that the wicked are the ones that have it going their way. Because the Bible says they may flourish, they may spring up, but their destruction is coming. The Bible says in Psalm 1, the, the, the blessed man is the man that his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a 
tree, not like the grass. Boy, the grass comes up and it's gone. The grass comes up and it, 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 it fades away. It's cut down. But boy, you get a tree. That's what I want to be. I want to be like the tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Can I tell you, you're going to have to make a choice for your life. Are you going to be like the grass that, that, that flourishes quickly and then it's gone? Or is your life going to be like a tree that is established and that is planted and that brings forth fruit? You are either today, you're either going to be fading or you're going to be flourishing depending on the choices that you make. We see, number four, the fading of the wicked. Yes, the wicked, they seem like they're having a great time. The wicked seem like they have adopted the motto of eat, drink, and be merry. But can I tell you, there's judgment coming for the wicked. The wicked, the Bible says, will soon be cut off. Verse number eight. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. The psalmist reminds us that it is the Lord who is on high. It is the Lord who is in control. It is the Lord who is still on the throne. Uh, don't, don't let Hollywood and don't let, don't let the world and don't let uh, the people in this life who, who are anti-God and the people who are, who are wicked and have turned their back on God, don't let them fool you into thinking that they're the ones that are in control. Because they're not in control. There is a God in heaven that is on the throne and he is still the most high God. And someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to him and him alone. You see, the Lord is elevated forever. The wicked are elevated for a short time and their time is done. But God is, 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 is on the throne forever. Verse 9. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Verse number 10, we saw this verse a few weeks ago, but my horn shalt thou exalt, or my strength shalt thou exalt like the strength of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. We see number five in this passage, the favor of God. It is the blessing of God. While it seems like the wicked are prospering, God says, I'm gonna give you something better. I'm not just gonna give you pleasure that comes from a season of sin. He said, I'm gonna give you pleasure forevermore. I'm gonna give you eternal rewards. I'm gonna give you eternal blessing. I'm gonna give you joy and peace and satisfaction. And we see the favor of God. Boy, I tell you, God is so good to us. Uh, don't listen to the devil's lies that, 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 that your life is so terrible as a Christian. If you get nothing else from God except for eternal life in heaven, and you don't have to go to hell. I want to tell you, you have got far more than you'll ever deserve. And I've got far more than I'll ever deserve. And far more than we could ever ask for to have eternity in heaven. What a blessing. You have been favored. You have been blessed by God. That God would see fit to send his son to die for you so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. And I wouldn't have to go to hell. But instead, he would see the righteousness of his son instead of seeing our sin. And he would see the righteousness and he would declare us to be justified. Just as if we had never sinned. Did you know you're not going to be in heaven? And God's not going to look at you and say, yeah, I'll tell you what. I remember those rough days you had in your early teens. Boy, I remember how you were so backslidden in your 20s. 
God's never going to hold that over your head. You know why? Because when you're in heaven, when I'm in heaven, we are there as justified. We are there because of the righteousness of the blood of Christ that cleansed us from all sin. And aren't you glad that your sins have been forgiven? Aren't you glad that your sins have been washed away? Hallelujah for that. That's favor. And God has showed us favor. He's given us his anointing of fresh oil. Praise God. We talked about that a few weeks ago. I won't elaborate on that again. Verse 11, the Bible says, I will, mine eyes also shall see my desire on mine enemies and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Verse 12, the righteous. Now we're talking first about the wicked that, that they grow up so quickly like grass. But then it says this, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Whoa. We're not talking about grass anymore. We're not talking about tiny little blades of grass that you can uh, chop uh, hundreds and thousands of them with the, the swipe of a lawnmower. We're talking about a tree. And we're not talking about any old tree. We're talking about a palm tree. And then it goes on to say in verse number 12, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, both of these trees, both of these trees are significant. Did you know that a palm tree can survive in desert-like conditions? I can tell you that's true because I just saw somewhere I came from in Southern California. I flew into uh, Los Angeles. I drove up to Lancaster, California, about an hour away. It is the high desert and there are not trees. Am I telling the truth, Kimberly? There are no trees. There are bushes. And some of them you think are growing. And then you see, oh no, that those, are, those are just blowing. Those are just big tumbleweeds that are rolling across the desert. It is dry. It is desert. It is barren. But guess what? There are some palm trees there. There's palm trees that are flourishing where the other trees couldn't make it. And isn't that just like the Christian life? When you're planted in the Word of God and you're planted in the promises of God, it seems like everybody else is, is having a hard time and you're okay, not because of who you are, but because of where you're planted. Because you've got the blessing of God and the goodness of God and the favor of God and the world's going crazy. We were talking about this this morning, uh, Brother Glenn, how that sometimes people get so fearful because they watch the news and that's all they watch. And I want to say... Turn off the news and turn on the Bible. Open up the pages of Scripture and see that your life doesn't have to be miserable. Your life can be filled with joy. You can flourish like a palm tree in a desert land, in a dry land, in a depressed land. You can have blessing from God like a palm tree. But not only a palm tree, but look at this contrast. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, both of these trees are evergreen trees. They don't lose their leaves. Both of these trees are tall trees. Both of these trees are solid trees. But you know what's significant about a cedar? A cedar tree can survive the harsh, cold temperatures in the mountains. And the cedar tree, while other trees are fading and other trees are wilting and other trees uh, can't make it, that cedar tree can make it. And here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. 
You can make it wherever God puts you, not because of your strength, not because of your determination, not because of your ability, but you can make it because of the promises of God. You can make it because you have been, look at verse 13, you have been planted. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. We see number five, the favor of God. But number six, we see the flourishing of the righteous. You can flourish because you have been planted. The word planted, it means to be placed in the ground in a place where something can grow. It means to be fixed in a specific location. You've got to get your life planted. You've got to get your life set and established in the place that God has for you so that you can grow. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. Besides, when I got done with the story, you just, you'd think that I was complaining, so I won't tell you my story. But needless to say, I had, my wife and I, we had an experience a year or so ago where we had a lot of bushes and trees and things that we tried to replant and we, they were out of the ground too long and then we put them in the ground and then I think we got too much rain. It was just, it was a long ordeal. Needless to say, none of them made it. But what's wild is that the place they were before, they were doing just fine. What happened? They got out of the root system. They got out of the soil. They got away from the place where they were intended to be and they did not survive. Can I tell you, as Christians, we've got to get our lives planted. We've got too many Christians who are wishy-washy. We've got too many Christians that uh, if somebody says something, then we're offended. And, well, I'm not going back to church. And I'm not going to read the Bible. And I'm not going to do this. And, you know, all, hey, well, no, 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 no. If you got into the Christian life because of other Christians, it was just a matter of time before you were going to be sadly and sorely disappointed. But I didn't get into the Christian life because of other Christians. I got into the Christian life because of Jesus Christ, my Savior. I got into the Christian life because He saved me. And He's the one that gave me life. And He's the one that gave me purpose. And He's the one that gave me direction. You and I must be planted. You can't grow unless you're planted. You'll not grow if you're always moving around. You won't grow overnight. Growth takes time. You're not going to grow without rain, without water. That's why you get, got to get planted in the Word of God and get planted in the nourishment of God's promises. And you will not grow without roots. Isn't it amazing that you really never see the roots of a tree until that tree is pulled up or until that tree is dug up? But once that tree is dug up, you realize, wow, there's a lot of roots in there. There was a lot that was holding that tree down. There was a lot that was keeping that tree there. And you and I, we need to have a lot of roots. We need to have some roots that are deep. That's why I believe every Christian ought to be a part of a church and not just a part of a church saying, I go to that church once in a while, but you ought to be at the church and you ought to be there every service. That's why I believe every Christian ought to be involved, uh, be a part of a Sunday school class. That's why I believe every Christian ought to get involved in serving. I believe every Christian ought to have a ministry of saying, I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to love God. I'm going to be a witness. That's why you got to get a lot of roots in there because when the storms come, you want to have those roots to keep you planted and keep you grounded. A healthy plant will flourish. Verse 14, 
They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. The word fat means vigorous. They will be flourishing as in fresh and prosperous. They will still be fat and flourishing even in old age. Here's why. Verse 15. To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Number seven, we see the foundation of the righteous. The foundation is on the rock. The foundation is in Christ and his righteousness. It's amazing to me in verse 14 that even as a a child of God uh, in old age, the Bible says, it says that you can still flourish. You know, there are some professions that you can't do past 60 or 65. There are some professions you can't do past 65 or 70 or 75. Some professions, some, some uh, uh, athletics and some sports, you can't do past 40. But aren't you glad as a Christian, you can serve God every day of your life? You say, well, how can I do that? Well, you can pray. You can encourage people, you can live for others, you can give, you can serve, you can uh, be an example. I was reading a story this past week about Sam Houston, who was uh, not only a a, a military uh, man, but he was also a politician in our nation. And the story was told about Sam Houston. He got saved. And after he got saved, he got baptized. And after he got baptized, he was asking some of the folks in that community, he said, hey, I want to... Uh, I want to pay, I want to pay half of the local minister's salary. My, he said, personally, I want to do it myself. And somebody asked him, he said, well, Sam, why in the world would you want to do that? And he said, well, he said, you see, when I got baptized, he said, my pocketbook got baptized too. Amen. And can I tell you, I think when you get saved, and you get born again, I think it ought to affect every area of your life. I don't think the Christian life is just something you live for an hour on Sunday. But I think the Christian life is something that we ought to live all our days, every day, 24-7, till God takes us home. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.